Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the scientific reasons why people either love or hate horror movies. We'll also answer a listener question about how life expectancy affects population growth. And we'll tell you where you can catch the Orionids meteor shower. Let's catch some curiosity. There's a scientific reason why some people love horror movies and others hate them. And with October in full swing, we thought we'd dig into the research. First, though, full disclosure, I have seen my share of horror movies and I fully appreciate them, but they're not really my thing. How about you, Ashley? Same. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but I feel like they're just bad movies. <laughs> like, they're not good films. They're just, they're, they're just a bunch of different formulas to scare you, and there's not really a good story behind them. Yeah, that's a little controversial. <laughs> Did you see Get Out? Yes, that was great. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I like a good horror movie. <laughs> I just like good horror movies. What's so wrong with that? There are plenty of good horror movies out there. Mm. <laughs> all right, well, first things first. In terms of fear, the same part of your brain gets all freaked out whether you're being chased by a lion in real life or you're just watching Freddy Krueger stalk someone. That sense of fear gets processed in your amygdala, and that's the part of your brain that triggers your fight-or-flight response. That's when your body starts pumping chemicals like adrenaline, cortisol, and epinephrine that speed up your heartbeat, bring up your blood pressure, and make your breathing more shallow. And for whatever reason, certain people seem to be wired to have a higher tolerance for anxiety and fear. As in, their fight-or-flight responses calm down faster than other people's. And that means they have to find really intense experiences to get the same effect, like skydiving. So if we're talking nature versus nurture, the nature part of why some people love horror movies comes from the possibility that they're just sensation seekers who don't really get as hot and bothered by the latest Nightmare on Elm Street movie. There's plenty of nurture to blame, too, though. Research suggests that men enjoy scary movies more than women, and that could be because they're socialized to be fearless and tough. That's how I describe myself. Some life experiences can also have a huge effect on a person's tolerance for terror. The amygdala can become more sensitive over time after trauma from things like neglect, poverty, and substance abuse. On the flip side, positive childhood experiences with fear can teach the brain that it's fun to be scared. And the things you do right after watching a scary movie can also have an effect, because your body stays in a state of arousal afterward, and arousal heightens emotions. If you finish up your movie and you have a great night with friends, then those positive feelings will nail down the experience as a good one that'll make your brain want to do it again. But if you get mugged on the way home, your brain will see the experience as not so good. Associations are important. And that's why you can actually shift your tastes from horror hater to horror lover with some controlled exposure. If you can handle 90 minutes of fear, then you'll feel more resilient. And that can actually make you become more resilient, meaning you'll be less scared next time around. But parents, be careful with kids under seven. They have a tough time telling real threats from make-believe ones, so that is a risky proposition to expose them too early. Intense reactions to fear are hard to undo, so do not push it. But if you're listening and you want to push your limits, then go ahead. After all, it's not like Michael Myers is real, right? Right? (laughs) Is that from the same movie? I don't even know. (laughs) That was great, though. When I was little, I saw a scene from The Creature from the Black Lagoon. The original one from 1954. If you watch it now, you're like, this is the cheesiest thing ever. But I had nightmares about that movie for years. 
The stuff that got me scared as a kid is amazing to me now. Ursula, Little Mermaid, cried my eyes out. Really? Yeah. When she got really big. Oh my gosh. Scariest thing of my four-year-old life. Wow. We got a listener question from Mohana, who basically says this. We've improved human life expectancy over the last few generations, and we've also seen an increase in the world population. So if we're increasing life expectancy, and that's increasing the world population, how can we avoid overpopulation on Earth? I'm so glad you asked this question, Mohana, because I think it's something a lot of people wonder. This is counterintuitive, but it's true. Improving life expectancy will actually reduce overpopulation. Hear me out. When you think about population over time, you have to consider not only how long people are living, but also how many children they're having. It turns out that when the death rate is high, people have a lot more children. If you're not sure all your children will grow up to carry on the family name, much less help out with the family business and care for you when you're old, you're going to have a lot more kids to improve those odds. But when you have enough food to eat, good medical care, and the other things people need to live long, healthy lives, you don't need to roll the dice. You can have your one, two, maybe three kids and consider it good. That's why as societies get richer and healthier, the growth rate of their populations kind of flattens out. This isn't just theoretical either. In 1681, England and Wales were poverty-stricken, with most people living just barely at subsistence level. The death rate was higher than the birth rate. But then the Industrial Revolution happened, and the death rate dropped. People didn't get the memo immediately, though, and they kept having lots of kids right through the 1800s, when the birth rate hit its absolute peak. The population went from 6 million in 1750 to 30 million in 1901. Unsustainable, right? But that was when things slowed down. The birth rate finally dropped and population growth slowed to a reasonable level. The same thing has happened to a lot of industrialized countries, and it's only the least developed countries where the population is skyrocketing. You know, the ones where food and medical care are scarce and lots of children don't make it to adulthood. That's why it's important to boost nutrition, medical care, and economic growth everywhere in the world. Improving human health is a net gain for everyone. Thanks for your question, Mohana. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com. If you're into stargazing or you need a shooting star to wish on, then get ready for the fabulous Orionids meteor shower coming right now to skies above your head. It happens every fall in October, and it's visible literally anywhere on Earth. So listen up if you live literally anywhere on Earth. We're guessing that's you. And you just have to go outside. This year, the best viewing window will be around October 22nd. That's a Tuesday. That said, the meteor shower lasts more than one night. It actually runs from October 2nd to November 7th, so you have plenty of chances to catch it. Just go outside right now. I mean, if it's nighttime. Meteor showers are always unpredictable, but at the peak, you should be able to see somewhere between 10 and 20 meteors per hour. You can find the meteor shower by tracking down the constellation it's named after, Orion the Hunter. The easiest way to do that is to look for three bright stars in a short row, that's his belt, and from there, find the stars that make up his sword, and the bulk of the meteors will come from around there. And that's it! You don't need any special gear to watch the shower. In fact, experts actually advise against using binoculars or telescopes. Those might magnify the sky, but they also limit your field of vision. At the end of the day, your good old naked eye will do the trick a whole lot better. Of course, you're not really seeing shooting stars. You're actually seeing debris from Halley's Comet, which zooms past Earth every 75 years or so. 
The Orionid shower happens when Earth orbits through a specific patch of this trail. These chunks of debris hit the Earth's atmosphere at an incredible speed. Think 41 miles per second. These are tiny chunks, though, as in some are as small as a grain of sand. But luckily for us stargazers, the result is a pretty nice feast for the eyes. Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you can catch this weekend on Curiosity.com. This weekend, you'll learn about four words that can double your chances of getting what you want, a new study that says Venus could have hosted life for billions of years, an augmented reality illusion from the 1850s that we still use today, why the more you wish for self-control, the less you have, and more. And I want to ask you to do us a quick favor. Nominations are open for the 2019 Discover Pods Awards. This is the third year the awards have been around, and we need your help nominating our show for Best Technology and Science Podcast. Just visit discoverpods.com and click on the awards link, then nominate your favorite show, which hopefully is us. We'll also put a link in today's show notes. And please encourage a friend or two to help. It's free to vote and should only take a minute. Nominations are open through October 22nd. We really appreciate it. And now, let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that people like horror movies for reasons that come from both nature and nurture. And that improving life expectancy will actually reduce overpopulation because people won't have to have more kids just to hedge their bets that they'll survive. And that you can catch the Orionids meteor shower up until November 7th, 2019. Just look for the sword hanging off of Orion's belt and remember to step outside on October 22nd for peak viewing pleasure. Us here in Chicago might have to drive an hour or two to find some dark skies, but worth it. Join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And have a great weekend. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious.